I'm here. How's okay. it going, Brad? Well, so far we're off to a Monday morning, morning kind of start. There's supposed to be one more commercial there. Matter of fact, I don't know what happened. It glitched. I'll double-check that in a minute. It's the uh, the commercial for Christmas traditions. You've ever done that in St. Charles down on Main Street? Uh, yeah, I have been down there. I didn't know that it was branded Christmas traditions. John, it's the 49th year. Come oh, I, you know what? I should have been listening to Egbert at 104.5 <laughs> FM, and I would have heard that heard that commercial. That's right. Oh. Actually, I wouldn't have heard that commercial because <laughs> well, it didn't play. It just glitched right there. Um, <laughs> we, uh, Matter of fact, the reason I couldn't be on the air with you on Friday was I had to do a little interview with Jack Frost, who's one of the characters for Christmas nice. traditions. And uh, this is year number 49 Next year will be year number five zero. Fifty wow. years of doing that. That's it's, almost as old as Brad Hildebrand. Oh, I wish I were only that old. Uh, it's a really cool thing. They do a nice job with the city of St. Charles uh, with Conventions and Visitors Bureau. This is the uh, primary event. They now have another event, which they do in October, which is Legends and Lanterns, which is the Halloween version. That one has gotten to be huge. I mean, that one's gotten to be to the point where they're saying uh, that one may be bigger than Christmas traditions, and Christmas traditions is is quite large. Wow, awesome. Well, what did I do with my phone? Already I'm off to a bad start here. Lots of things to talk about. This is bjshow.co. He's John Combis. I'm Brad Hildebrand. Every single day since sometime in October of 2001, John has put together a list of all the newsworthy things that are happening in the state of Missouri and the first thing we're going to do every morning is top three. What's the top three this morning? Well, I think when we do this on a Monday, Brad, I think we should go back over the weekend and okay. uh, and talk about some of the most important things that, that either landed on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. So we've got three days of stuff to talk about today then, huh? We do, yeah. And, you know, I think one of the most interesting things that we saw over the weekend was the Post-Dispatch ran an interesting piece on a Republican state legislator from Lake St. Louis uh, named Justin Hicks. So Justin Hicks is a freshman state representative, and he's being challenged in the Republican primary uh, by another state legislator. And in in short, the other uh, – excuse me, by another Republican candidate. And the other candidate has brought up has, – has essentially questioned Representative Hicks' military record and saying that Representative Hicks has been uh, grossly exaggerating his military record and has also unearthed a restraining order that was placed against Representative Hicks when Hicks was 17 years old. Uh, Hicks allegedly roughed up his girlfriend at the time, um, and the Post-Dispatch reached out to Representative Hicks' teenage girlfriend uh, and got her to make some comments on the record. So it's a really interesting look at uh, how much a candidate's past, even as a teenager, should or will Come back to them now. Is Hicks is is he an incumbent? He's is he's been there for a while. No, this is his freshman year. Okay, he, he was just elected. Yeah, who, who's the guy? And, that was... and the, the gentleman who's running against him is a former legislative aide who worked very briefly in the Missouri Capitol, as I understand it. Now, who's who who who's who did he? Who are they running to replace? Uh, he's a freshman, so I don't. I, I'm not sure exactly who had that seat before him. You know, I tell you what. Politics. You do this every single day, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it, it, it but it's it, it's one of those things, by the way, Brad, that gets a lot of attention on social media because if you post something negative about someone, I happen to write a book about this. If you post something salacious or negative about someone, it's going to get so much more attention than if you say they're a great state rep. So 
how old is Justin Hicks? So let's go back. You said this is something that happened when he was a teenager. How old is he now? Is this something uh, that goes back he's like... He's in his, his mid to late 20s, I believe. Oh, so this is somewhat recent. It's not like he's 50 or 60. Right, it happened like right. decades ago. Yeah, I believe it happened um, in 07. I mean, I can go back on the johncombest.com archives here and take a look real quick while we're on the air. Uh, so that that was a lead story. That was an interesting one. Claire McCaskill got a lot of attention because she went on... Um, America's favorite news source, MSNBC, and said that Donald Trump is more dangerous than Hitler and Stalin. You know, (laughs) I don't understand this. You know, what's so crazy about this is that I have friends who are, I'll tell you a little bit of a a personal Donald Trump story. I have friends who are died in the wool Democrat, and they they do think that, 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 that Trump is the devil reincarnate. They believe he is like literally the guy from underneath, okay? Yeah. My experience with when I first realized that Donald Trump was going to be the president, and I told people this, there was an event at, as we call Ed Goldman, we call it the, he'll call it the Keel Opera House, but at the time I think it was, I think it was the Peabody Opera House before Stiefel took over. Anyway, mm-hmm. there was an event down there, and you went online to Donald Trump's, I want, I want to say this was maybe early 2016, not too long after he said he was going to run for president. Um, and I want to, now that I think about it, I think March of 2016, okay? So, um, they announced that he was going to come, and they announced that you could get tickets by going online to his website, putting in your name and your phone number and your email address, and you would have tickets reserved, okay? So I think, I'm going to go. So I knew there was going to be terrible traffic down there. So I took the Metrolink down to uh, the landing, went over to – no, no, actually I parked at the casino. That's what I did. I parked at the casino, which at the time was Lumiere, and I took a cab up to the event and – the cabbie couldn't get west of market. And, you know, if you know anything about where Keel's at, it's like, what, yeah. 14th, 15th? It's like four or five blocks, three or four blocks up from, from market. So as I'm walking up market, the line to go into the, we'll call it just the KOH, the Keel Opera House, goes east on market, then it goes south on Tucker, then it went west on 14th Street, up to 18th Street, went east on 18th Street, and then south on markets. In other words, the line... Yeah, a mass of humanity. Right. It was, and and already the place was full. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, now why did they do that? Well, why did they do that? Because guess what? They got a huge email list. Let's say there's only 3,500 people get into the to the keel. And they had, I, they estimate, and this is this is their estimate, and I do believe it. They estimated that if everybody would have been able to get in, they would have had Twenty-five to 30,000 people in there. And I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. But I came away from that, and I told my my friends who were like the real Trump naysayers, I said, Trump's going to be the next president. And they went, what? There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, I said, yeah. I've said. The, the, the real-life people that support him is just amazing. The groundswell, I have never, I've covered political events. You've, you know, you've been involved in political events. So have I with radio and covering things. Yep. For like, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, it, it's remarkable. And, you know, the frustrating thing, I think, for the, the mainstream media narrative is that after all these years, you know, you go back to 2015, of the suggestion that everyone who votes for Donald Trump is a racist and is a backwoods hillbilly, uh, knuckle-dragging, you know, cretin, then 
they, they, and they can't explain why Trump, who is compared to Hitler at, at every opportunity, still has, still enjoys this kind of support in the polls. But I don't understand. How in the world do you, do you, you know, compare Hitler, a, a literal devil who right. put millions of people to death, not necessarily, not, not, I mean, not, I shouldn't say not necessarily, but not only the Jews, but a lot of other ethnics. They didn't like the gypsies, and there were several, several other ethnic, um, um, you know, sub, subcultures in Eastern and Western Europe that he decided he didn't want around anymore. How yeah. in the world do you, de- you de- compare Donald Trump to that? <laughs> You well, here's I mean? why. Because if Claire McCaskill can't go on MSNBC and compare Donald Trump to former Missouri State Auditor Margaret Kelly or former uh, you know, Commerce Secretary Jim Baker, nobody cares. So you just say the most bombastic thing you can, which is that Trump is worse than Hitler and, by the way, and Stalin. I, so I let's – or maybe it was Mussolini. I'll have to look back at the top headline. But anyway, these evil fascist dictators. So that's how you get attention, right? How else is Claire McCaskill going to get attention? I don't know. I mean, I don't – you know, once again, I just sort of scratch my head and I think to myself, okay, if I'm a talk show host and even if I'm on MSNBC or CNN, I'm a talk show host and I have Claire McCaskill as my guest and she says that, I'm going to say, Claire, isn't that just a tiny bit – exaggerated you're, you're, unless you believe her unless you I, I guess, unless you happen to agree with well, her that's one of the things um i have my list by the way i started doing this and you and i can talk about various things that's on my list of something i want to throw out to you okay i didn't want to interrupt yeah you. sure and then the third thing once again showing that that you and i are on the edge of of cultural advancement here <laughs> number of stories over the weekend about what we discussed last week on our second day of the show which was st louis city missing out on a little bit more than a half a million dollars in marijuana tax revenue simply because this the city forgot to file the paperwork. And in addition to that story, uh, Brad, what you talked about last Tuesday was the money grab from these municipalities of wanting to stack all these marijuana taxes on top of each other. A nonprofit, pretty progressive publication in Kansas City did a story over the weekend about about the legality of all these municipalities. And essentially, the counties are arguing with the cities over over how much they can they can grab from marijuana consumers. Well, so those are really the top three. Let's go over that again, and just so yeah. people know what we're talking about. Okay, and I'm, I'm not a marijuana person, I haven't done this, but as my understanding is, if you go in to buy some marijuana at one of the recreational places, you're not only charged the regular sales tax, which the munis get a cut of and the county gets a cut of and part of that goes to the school district and stuff like that. Okay. Then there is a 6% state marijuana tax on top of that. Correct. Correct. And then if the county, if, if the, if the particular uh, uh, retail place you're going to is in a municipality within a county. And the reason we mention that is because in the city of St. Louis, it is not in a county, but if you go to like, let's say one of the places in O'Fallon, you pay 3% O'Fallon marijuana tax, plus you pay 3% St. Charles County O'Fallon, or St. Charles County marijuana tax, correct? Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you, so the, and the argument between the counties and the cities is that as written, so universally, everyone agrees that the marijuana ballot initiative was poorly written. No matter where you are, no matter where you happen to be on the initiative, it was just poorly written as it described because what the cities and counties are arguing about is if counties together as written can get X amount of local revenue, does the lo- if the county says, hey, we want our 3% first, can the cities go in there and stack 3% on top? 
or do the city and the county have to share that percentage? Well, didn't they make it clear in there there's 3% for both the county and the city? or is, is that, They did not. So it's that, not that's, that clear. That's the source of the litigation right Interesting. now. Interesting. And the marijuana trade organization, which is called MOCAN, is leading the, the legal fight on behalf of marijuana peddlers um, to say that to say that no, that you shouldn't be able to tax this. There should be a cap on it. So in other words, they're saying that the county and like, for example, we'll give an example of one of the places in O'Fallon that the county and the city should share three percent. That's what they're saying. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe it's three. I, it's either three or six. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Well, if it's um, if it's six yeah. percent, it's back the way it was because they're already getting they're already getting you know the count once again the state's getting six percent. So in other words, the bottom line is let's say if you have a ten percent uh, sales tax and in some munis you do have ten percent, then you have six percent for the state, three percent for the muni, three percent for the county. You ha- effectively have a twenty two percent sales tax on marijuana that you buy um, in one of the dispensaries, which upwards, yeah, upwards. Which I'm going like okay, you know the crazy thing about this is remember. Remember when this went up far, well, was one time before, and I don't think it went through, the guy from, or maybe it was the same thing, the guy, and the reason I remember his name is because his name is Brad Bradley. You know who I'm talking about? You know, this, uh, you mean Brad Bradshaw? No, 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 no. The guy's, he's got, is, is that the doctor? Is that Brad? Yeah, he's a doctor and an attorney, and he reminds you of it every opportunity. Right. He's sort of like Eric Wright and telling you. He's, yeah, it's he's, Brad Bradshaw. He's, he's a Navy SEAL, right? Oh, no yeah. kidding. I've never heard that before. No, but remember the deal? Was it his thing that was on the ballot as well, too, that he would essentially become like the czar? That, yep. that, that he was, that if his, thing, was that on the same ballot? Was that the same ballot measure? No, that was, uh, gosh, I want to say that was either 2018 or 2020. And it didn't pass, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. it failed. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, talking about a failed problem with our state constitution where you're allowed to essentially put a law into a ballot initiative and essentially become like a government official? I mean, how is that possible? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, if I were to bankroll a statewide initiative, I would want to be the czar of something. Like, I what? think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty fair idea, Brad. But when I heard that, I thought to myself, this can't be right. A friend of yeah. mine told me about that. Hey, and, and so that those are the top three stories. You know, there was also some internet chatter over the weekend uh, because of things that we posted in reference to the. Uh, to the, the conversations we had last week, Brad, you and I should get into the proposal from the Franklin County Republican Central Committee to vet all of its candidates in the next election. That is, to me, I mean, you're the expert in this. I'm not. Does that happen anywhere else? You know, uh, let me see. I don't think I don't think it does. It certainly hasn't happened in Missouri, but Franklin County is not the only county that's proposing it for the 2024 elections. So let me get this straight. What the Franklin County Republican Committee is proposing is that if I lived in Franklin County and if I Mm -hmm. wanted to run for, uh, let's say I wanted to run for state rep in one of the state rep districts in Franklin County, I just couldn't put my name. I couldn't go down to Jefferson City and sign up. I had to get their approval first. That's correct. So that's the proposal. And, and here's the kink in it. And this is where even a state representative named uh, Brad Vanderman from Franklin County has pushed back and the state Republican Party has pushed back is that you have to file a filing fee. Let's say if Brad, were, if Brad Hildebrand were to run for state rep, he would have to pay a nominal filing fee. So what happens to that check? or say that Venmo that's produced by Brad Hildebrand. Now what the Franklin County Republican Central Committee is suggesting is that they collect the money and they can reject Brad Hildebrand if they don't believe that he conforms to the Missouri Republican Party platform or others. Or in other words, if, they, if he doesn't pass their 
vetting process, then they want to be able to reject Brad's filing fee and say, no, you cannot run as a Republican for Office X. Is this, you know, is Tracy Ellis involved in this because of the fact that, you know, is, is she going to say, well, he's he's not, he's a, 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 a rhino. A rhino, <laughs> right. He's a rhino. And, you know, if we can, maybe we could talk about this in the next segment, but I think that the Missouri Republican Party is pushing back on this. I think there's a way, uh, as a spoiler and, and as a contrarian, I think there's a way for the Franklin County Republican Central Committee to come out looking pretty good in this. Maybe we talk about it in the next segment. Well, I see, I just don't understand. See, to me, you're the political expert. I'm not. I'm the guy who, you know, sort of sits from the sidelines and watches this. Yeah. But let me give you my my 30,000-foot view on this. Yep. The Republicans have all this infighting, and the Democrats always seem to have a united front. You know what I'm saying? I mean— Right. In <laughs> Missouri. Now, if we were to well, go across the river, the opposite would be true. Well, no, no. Even in this—even in, like, the—look at the federal government. We had, we had uh, McCarthy thrown out— of the Speaker of the House because of one guy who yep. didn't like him. and, and But that's because we have a majority in the House as well, though, Brad. Yeah, so the, if we were in the minority, we'd be a little bit more unified. Yeah, but the crazy part of that is is that you've got one guy, essentially an outlier, who, you know, good old Gates is, you know, remember, yeah. whatever happened to all the crazy, remember, for a long time they talked about he's going to be thrown out of Congress because he's, he's had <laughs> he all these... He trafficking or something. Right, he, he was trafficking uh, uh, teenage girls in a sex ring or something. I'm like... What? You know, but yeah. but the point being is you never and matter of fact, I heard somebody over the weekend talk about this. The fact that the Democrats, once they just make up their mind, they have a united front. And I don't know if you've if you've listened to this, like Rush Limbaugh used to have this, and I know Sean Hannity has this. The talking point collages. Have you ever heard these before? Oh, they're, they're so good. They're where, fantastic. Where they, and they, they sing from the same song sheet. Right. Where they What they do is they have somebody who records all these Democrats. Let's say they have 30 different Democrats who are on all these news shows over the course of a day. Something happens and all the Democrats, they're interviewing all these Democrats. Then somebody takes all these sound bites and they find the exact same phrase that every yep. last one of them sang. So you go it's like... It's good messaging. It's great messaging. Right. It's like, it's like okay, this is not coincidence that they're all saying the exact same of course, sentence of course they have been told look when we go on tv this is what you say you say this and here's the sentence we've already done this with a group of of focus groups this yep. sentence works very well this is really going to make everybody go like oh yeah i understand what they're saying yeah and just it's like a mantra but the republicans never do that you got guys like bill eigel who's like yeah you know I'd love to have him on the show, but he, like I said, he won't talk to me anymore. He talked. Well, to he me. talked to you on the on the BS show one a few time, ago. and I think he he mistook my number. I think I may have called him from a different <laughs> number, and I think that's why he didn't take. But or or either that, or I think you turned me on that that was his kickoff of his, of his fundraising, wasn't that the that's day right. I called yep. him or something like was that? Was that day? I, it was his fundraising day, something like that. Okay, well, I tell you what, uh, let's see where we're at. It's seven twenty. Um, this is BS. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> BJShow.co, which is not up yet. The website is still uh, working. Uh, this is a work in progress. Uh, I apologize to John because we still don't have the streaming up, and I need to talk to you about that later. Uh, we've got some other issues to deal with because this station was a music station, and then it turned to a podcast station. Now it's a talk station, which still has podcasts on it, which is sort of complicated. And let me just run down what happens after we get off the air. Between 8 and noon, we have Armstrong and Getty, who are back from vacation. Last week, you know, as far as a talk radio fan, I never like the Thanksgiving week, and I hate the Christmas week because all the regulars are gone. 
It's all substitute. It's, it's all Joan Rivers instead of Johnny Carson. Right. It's all it's all substitutes. Are it's all best ofs. But we have real live in the studio Armstrong and Getty from eight to noon. From noon to three, it's Eric Erickson, Red State guy, if you know him. And from three to six in the afternoon, we have Markley Van Camp and Robbins. If you've never heard them before. Mike Otten, who has uh, uh, been with the station for a long time, Mike Otten like, li- likens them to three guys sitting around, drinking beers, smoking cigars, and just talking man talk. Now, it's, that's kind of like our show, Brad, except we're not, we're, except we're not smoking or drinking right now. We're not drinking beers. But uh, we don't do too much sports talk and stuff like that. Are you, that's a, big, true. Are you a big sports guy? Uh, at times, yeah. I pick my spots. Yeah, I'm a Cardinals guy. And I stopped watching the NFL Mostly after the whole Black Lives Matter protest, it was just too much for me. You know, I have several friends that did that as well too, but yeah. they they backslid now. They're you know because I have one friend especially who is a super NFL fan, and this particular person, I'm a gold cold turkey, no more NFL for two years. That lasted. Guess what? Back to NFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've okay. backed off kind of the, the whole uh, race shaming thing. So I wa- I watch a game, an NFL game occasionally. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, let me see. Let me set this up. Do I have this correct right? Do this right here. Uh, no, I have this wrong. Okay, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to hit this, and we'll be back at 722.